Ralphie's having an affair. I mean, he, he could just be involved with, um, I don't know, he, uh, people who get together to invest things. And, and the place that they invest things is filled with potpourri. And that's why his shirt smells so sweet when he comes home. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. We could find your husband neck deep in potpourri investing things. Okay, that's from the movie. It's a darling movie, Shall We Dance? Look at the energy that we put into lying to ourselves. And she she senses that her husband is having an affair, and I won't spoil the plot here. And so she's trying to talk herself out of it. She just doesn't want to believe that. Um, and you don't want to ever do that. You want to look at the facts. If he's possibly having an affair, you need to explore that. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. My number's toll-free, 1-877-DR-KENNER. And my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. Right before the break, I was talking, uh, actually a woman called in, asking the question about what does she do? She feels like she's going crazy, losing her mind, because she's been dating a married man for three years, and he promises to leave his wife, and he doesn't leave his wife. Um, The final advice I want to give to her is don't undermine your own character by staying with him because you're you're faking reality too. You're pretending that he's available when he isn't. I would leave him. If he ever leaves his wife and the two of you are available, then you can renegotiate, but you know he's a liar. You know he's capable of lying, so I don't know that he's the best choice ever. But you can leave and rebuild your dignity, take a break from him, and then try to find someone else and set a standing order in your own mind that you will not ever get involved with a married man again because it can lead to this type of convoluted problem and often does, almost always does. So I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. Again, my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. And I talked earlier about someone who was married to a woman who doesn't want to have sex. Here's his question. Hello, Dr. Kenner. My name is Sean, and I've been married for two years, and my wife, Melissa, never wants to have sex We have a two-year-old child, Jody, and ever since then, our sex life has not been the best. She says it hurts when we do have sex, and I believe her, but I still want it. So what do I do? Uh, Sean, first I want to tell you that this is very common, that once a woman has a baby, it's very confusing in her own mind because, especially if she's nursing, she's using her breasts to nurse with a baby. And so they no longer feel sensual and sexy. They feel engorged. They feel filled with milk. And the baby's always on them. So it's very confusing, very conflicting for her if she's doing that. Plus, just having a baby, any new parent or anybody that's had children knows that 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 very early period is overwhelming. It's a 24-7 job. And resentments between partners build up rapidly. You don't help enough. You're not helping out with the baby. I'm nursing all the time. I have to get up all during the night. She may be very angry with you and she may be afraid to say anything. So people tuck away their concerns. They they stuff them and then they explode eventually or they come out indirectly as I don't ever want sex again or it hurts. Now I'm not sure if the it in her case, it hurts, means that it's physically painful in which case she should go to her gynecologist and have the equipment checked out 
or whether the I'm hurting psychologically, emotionally, that you're pressuring me for sex. It may have become a duty for her. She may be distancing herself and you're pursuing her even more. There's something called a distancer-pursuer relationship where one person is moving in closer and closer, wanting the intimacy, and the other one's saying, give me some breathing space. Back off. I don't want to have to do this. It shouldn't be a should. Uh, she may not feel at home with sex to begin with. A lot of women, uh, even though it's much more out in the open now, they they still can feel selfish and they feel like they need to please the man, so it becomes a duty very quickly. If she's taken an avoidance strategy, it hurts and she's backing off, then you need some help. I recommend reading a chapter in one book, The Good uh, Marriage, um, it's a chapter called The Third Task where they talk of, where the authors Judith Wallerstein and Sandra Blakesley talk about how common it is when you have a baby to have this happen. She says it's very hard for um, to make room for the baby and to still keep your romantic life alive and that uh, let me just read you something from this. Um, they do not know how to allow the child not to take over the marriage. At the same time, they they should not allow the children to take over the marriage. It helps greatly to know ahead of time that the post-birth period is stressful. The woman needs to apportion her attention between her husband and child, recognizing the importance of her role as a wife and sexual partner. And then later on in this chapter, she talks about ways you can do this. You can go for dinner once a week. You can without discussing the children at the dinner. You can do what my husband did. I used to tease and say he handcuffed me and took me away for a weekend to a bed and breakfast. It was a lot of fun. You can do that. You can go away for a weekend to a B&B or hiking, but you need to be able to keep the relationship alive and work together on that. Otherwise, she'll excuse me, feel pulled by you and she'll resent it and resist it. So the resentments have to come out in the open. You need to talk about the sexuality in a way that's pleasing for both of you. She needs to hold on to herself during sex and let herself enjoy the experience rather than to feel like it's a duty and she's got to please you and then get the, the task out of the way like folding the clothes. So there's a lot to this but just know that this is very common at this stage in your lives. And the, re the resolution, a lot of people don't resolve this problem, um, leads to many divorces. So I hate to see you go that route. So I would get the book and read it and um, try, to, try to fix the relationship. Um, now here's another email I received. This is, hi, Dr. Kenner. My name is Sue, and I'm using my daughter's email. Her name is Jasmine. She's 16 years old, and instead of having an invisible friend, it seems she has an invisible enemy. I would appreciate a response on what I need to do about this. Thanks, and have a great day. Thanks, Sue. Okay, so let's envision. You didn't give me any details, which always help. So I'm just going to put some in. Let's say that Jasmine is a darling 16-year-old. She's a good kid. But she goes to put on a pretty dress that's a little sexy. She's 16 years old. And she hears in her own mind a critical parent saying, it's too short. The colors are too loud. The material is too sensual. It's too low cut. Then she may get an A on a biology test. And she hears the invisible enemy telling her, who do you think you are that you're so special? You were just lucky this time. She may find a guy that she likes, but her imaginary friend says, what the heck do you think he'd see in you? She may want to join a club, but she hears this inner voice saying, nobody would like you. 
So first she needs to listen to the internal voices and answer them with facts to put a lie to this invisible enemy once and for all. She can get the book Mind Over Mood. It's on my website, drkenner.com, D-R-K-E-N-N-E-R.com. And she can. She also has to recognize that there is, there can be no thing as an invisible enemy. It's just a figment of her imagination, maybe voices that she's heard from you or her dad punishing her or a grandmother who was mean to her or kids at school picking on her. But there is no such thing as this floating mystical enemy. Um, she wants to look look closely at that. Some people with a religious background feel that there's a peeping Tom watching every move and chastising every move they make. Um, I think that's one of the grotesque, grotesque aspects of religion. And Ayn Rand has said that faith in the supernatural begins as faith in the superiority of others. Like your parents, you, you're afraid of others, so you believe you just follow their authority and then of course you're set up to follow any dogma any religion so i would suggest that she really value herself maybe get some cognitive therapy um for herself again that book mind over mood is a cognitive therapy workbook look at all her wonderful character traits her honesty her integrity her ambition her desire for romance and a good career and help her work with her to break the habit if if you can support her that there is no such thing and can never be. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and you're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by Drs. Kenner and Locke. Feeling invisible implies that you are not important or perhaps not well matched with your partner. One important type of visibility is intellectual visibility. Intellectual visibility means showing respect for your partner's mind. It is helpful if partners possess roughly the same degree of mental ability and education. If there's a huge discrepancy, it will be difficult to have interesting conversations about topics that you both enjoy. Another important type of visibility is sexual visibility. Sexual visibility means appreciating your partner's body and his or her ability to give and receive sexual pleasure. It means feeling more masculine or feminine in one another's presence. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.